thank you so much, worship team. I just love what you bring to the stage uh, this weekend. This, well, that was absolutely amazing. I just love that. And uh, I just love being a guest speaker. If you don't know me, my name's Gary, and I just uh, enjoy the chance to come and share with you occasionally and then kind of melt back into the crowd and let, uh, let Mark take all of, the, uh, all of the texts and emails. So I'm appreciative of that as well. But, yeah, you know, there's really only two types of guest speakers, those who finish their sentences so anyway, I, I, I wanted to test your memories today. I wanted to see if, how good your memories were. I, I want to go all the way back to last year to see what you remember from one of my previous messages. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I have the memory of an elephant. I absolutely do. I was probably about 10, we were at the zoo, and I couldn't believe how big it was. But uh, ex- I'll, give, I'll pause for laughter. I hope there was some. But uh, if we go all the way back to last September, I shared a message simply called Follow. And it was, it was this message just talking about how choosing to follow Jesus might just be the beginning point for a relationship with him. And it really focused on this idea that when it comes to Jesus, following comes first. And that way we can really set ourselves up for a lifelong relationship with him. And it really answered this simple question, how can you expect someone to put their faith in, put their trust in and believe in someone that they don't even know? And we know that Jesus came to simplify things. He came to make God known to us because the God of the Old Testament often seemed far away and hard to reach. And so when Jesus initially came, he called us to follow, not to believe, not to obey, but he began by asking us to follow. And nowadays, when we can't physically follow Jesus around Israel to hear him teach, that looks like things like reading your Bible and praying, and talking to believers, and talking to people who know Jesus to see what you can learn from them. And it was things like, you know, maybe joining a small group, or joining a group after church to discuss what you've just learned. And then the next month in October, we, we shared a message uh, called Belief. And we, uh, and, and we looked at people, and in particular disciples, who after a time, after spending some time following Jesus, they came to the point where they believed that Jesus was who he says he was. And there's a great story of this as Jesus just finished delivering a very difficult sermon. He just finished uh, delivering a message that a lot of people misunderstood and didn't like what he was saying. And the crowds that had been following him everywhere suddenly just started to dissipate. People started to walk away. And Jesus, I think in that moment, a little bit hurt, he looked over to his disciples, his 12, and he said, are you guys going to go too? And then Peter replied first. And that's not surprising because Peter always replied first. And he said, Lord, where would we go? For we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of God. You see, they had been following Jesus at that point for two years, and they had come to the realization that he was exactly who he says he was. And we learned that was belief, not obedience, that secured our salvation and secured our eternal life with him. And then the next month in November, we, looked at a mess that we uh, uh, shared a message simply called Obey. And it's important to realize that we're not talking about three separate things. We're kind of looking at three building blocks. Once you follow, you're a lifelong follower. Once you believe, you're always going to believe. And then you have an opportunity to get to the point where you start to obey. And we talked about lifestyles and values and how we can act on the things that we believe. And we, and we looked at the, the Lord's Supper and looked at how the first disciples, as they became the first early churches, they just continued doing that out of obedience to Jesus. And Mark has been talking for the last several weeks about what the church was devoted to. And that's exactly what we were talking about in that message as well, what they were devoted to. And the whole concept of spiritual discipline, this idea of it being something difficult to do, 
It kind of doesn't feel that way to me when I read about the early church. I don't think they went to church because they had to. I don't think they went to church because they felt obligated to. They went to church because that's where they wanted to be. They wanted to be surrounded by fellow believers. They wanted to read his word and pray together and eat together and just be together. And so what we kind of learned is that the closer you follow, eventually it seems the more you'll obey. It was almost like a math equation. Following plus believing will result in or will equal in obedience. And then we continued in that, in, in that talk, and we just talked about the difference between wise and unwise. And, uh, and we looked at the parable of the wise and the foolish builder as well in Matthew 7, and we learned it's not about increasing your knowledge. It's about doing what you already know, and that's what obedience is. You see, obe- we obey because it's smart. Just like building a strong foundation is smart, that's why we follow and that's why we obey. And we can see that we can organize our lives around the teachings of Jesus because we know difficult times are coming. And that tied in again with what Mark's been talking about with the early church being devoted to what mattered the most. And so it's a fair question if you're wondering why we're back here after eight months partially because I just killed the first five minutes of my sermon. But more than that, it's something I've had trouble kind of putting down. You see, every time I think to myself that, you know, there really should have been an obey part two, I kind of think, well, it's been so long, I'll just let it pass. But then a few weeks ago, Mark talked about the wise and the foolish builder, and he, and he said that in one of my favorite quotes in the entire Bible where James says, listen, no hearing is great, but you must do what it says. And that brought it back for me. And then Mark's been talking about spiritual disciplines and he's been talking about the early church and how important reading the word and prayer and fellowship and eating meals together and the Lord's Supper was so key to what they were doing. And it's that same thought kept coming back to me about that obedience. And then I don't know if you remember this. This was from Mark did this early in the new year, I believe it was. And we talked about, uh, Mark talked about justification, just as if I'd never sinned. And he talked about our future glorification. But then we spoke a little bit about sanctification. And the one that really jumped out to me is this fifth one down, where we know that justification was all about him, what he did for us. But that sanctification had a part for us, had a role for us. And it was about him and us doing something together. And so although it's been eight months, I still kind of feel like I just want to finish really completing that talk because we talked so much about the why we should obey and then we never talked about the how. So let me ask you if this is true for you. Have you ever felt like when you see other people in church that you kind of can't compare, it seems as though they're getting it on a level you're not? Have you ever, have you ever felt like maybe some people are just on that different level? Maybe they're getting help. Maybe they're getting some coaching on how to kind of be that elite level follower? Uh, Do you ever feel like people, you know, are growing more and more Christ-like? People in your life, you see them, they're becoming more Christ-like, and you feel a little bit like you're not. Or have you ever felt like your good intentions never become realized into a deeper relationship with God? And I'll tell you, for myself, I spent many years, in fact, I would measure it in decades of my life feeling exactly that way feeling exactly like I had good intentions. I wanted to be one of those people who just had a deeper relationship with God and it just seemed like it never happened and I could never figure out what I was doing wrong. And what I want to talk about today as we connect those two thoughts is simply this. What is the role of Holy Spirit in our lives? And how? 
How does that role for Holy Spirit change us from the people we endeavor to be to the people God wants us to be? You know, we're not going to spend much time today talking about the Trinity. And uh, whether you feel good about that or not, I don't know. But, you know, there's lots of examples out there about, you know, this idea about the Trinity. And it's not even a biblical word, but I think it makes sense. You know, this God in three parts. And some people say, you know, the Trinity is like an egg. You know, there's kind of a, a shell that holds it all together. And then there's the yolk and that golden yolk in the middle. And then there's the, I actually don't even know what it's called, the white part. You think if I came here to do a speech, I would have figured out what the white part was. I should have Googled it, but I didn't. But some people are saying, you know, God's like an egg. It's three parts, but if you put them all together, it's God. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I I mean, there's some sense in that, but it doesn't really work. And some people say the same thing about water. The Holy Spirit's like water, you know. Maybe sometimes it's a vapor, sometimes it's a liquid, sometimes it's a solid, but it's all water. And that makes a little bit of sense, but it doesn't really explain it all. And some people say, you know, God is like the government, you know, there's, there's these three branches, these three parts. There's, there's the, the judiciary, there's the legislative, there's the executive, and they're all separate, but they're all working towards a common goal. And all of them together, we, we label as the government. And that's probably the worst of the three examples, to be honest. And here's what I'll tell you. Jesus was more than willing to talk about Holy Spirit, but he did, never chose to go into very much detail about how the Trinity worked. And I'm just going to follow his lead tonight, and I'm not going to talk about it either. But I want you to understand that what we're going to talk about is absolutely practical and not simply theoretical. You see, in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit came along once in a while. He was not a part of anyone's daily life. He was seemingly rather selective and kind of temporary. You know, we read in the Old Testament about the Spirit would come upon people at certain times. You can read about Joshua in Numbers 27. It says he was filled with the Spirit and commissioned to lead Israel after Moses had died. And there's Othniel, uh, one of the judges we can read about in Judges 3, who was empowered by the Spirit to judge God's people and to eventually lead them into battle. Or David, David would often talk about how the Holy Spirit would come upon him and give him the words to speak. But he doesn't seem to, the Holy Spirit did not seem to be a regular part of everybody's everyday's lives back then. But that changed, and that change, we can read about that change in John 16, verse 7, when it says this. It says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his followers, to his disciples. He's saying, it's best for you if I leave. Could you imagine their faces in that moment? They must have been thinking, I think Jesus is confused, best and worse. They could not imagine that that could be true. But Jesus said, listen, it is best if I leave. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away... I'm going to send them to you. It's hard to imagine them being excited by this news. I would rather have Jesus than an advocate is what I would have been saying standing there that day. But I wouldn't have known what Jesus knew. And so this word advocate, comforter, counselor, helper, it's all kind of the same meaning. And it comes from a Greek word called paraclete. I got a picture here to help you remember. No. Actually, I'm sorry. I got Mark in the booth tonight. He's new at running the pro presenter. Let me just correct him here. Mark, that's not a paraclete. Next picture. There we go. Paraclete. Paraclete is the word that means advocate, comforter, counselor, or helper. And if we really break it down, the word para is the same word we get we use today for paralegal, for example. It means to come along beside. So the paralegal would help the lawyer. And this word cleat means to call. 
So it literally meant to call someone up beside you. And if you actually look, it's, it is the actual origin of the concept of a lawyer. The idea that you would call up someone beside you. If you were in court, if you were on trial, you would call up someone to stand behind you, to advocate for you, to help you, to, to um, counsel you about what you should do. And what we learn from this is that as much help as it would have been to have an advocate standing next to you, imagine if your advocate was actually a part of you. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 6.19, just in the first half of that verse, it says this, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Beside you is good, in you is better. It leads us to understand what I believe is the main manifestation of Holy Spirit. And that, what that is, is that under the influence of Holy Spirit, you will gain interest in things and you will lose interest in other things. Holy Spirit will bring about changes in you if you allow it. You may have, and the interest you have in sinful things will begin to fade away and the interest you have in things of him will increase. I don't think of it as like an app on your phone helping you move in one direction. Think of it more as the operating system on your phone that lets everything work. That Holy Spirit in your life is like that operating system, that everything kind of flows through the leading of Holy Spirit. And today we're going to look mostly in Galatians, just kind of see a writing that Paul wrote um, as he kind of walks us through some of the steps of Holy Spirit here. So we're going to start in verse 16 when it says this. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sin nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what that sinful nature desires. And this is huge. That's a very easy verse just to read right on past. You know, sin nature bad, Holy Spirit good, and just to continue on. But it says so much more than that. What it's saying is that if you want a closer relationship with God, then Holy Spirit can lead you there. If you want to bless those around you, then Holy Spirit can lead you there. If you want to hear more from Kingsway's guest speakers, well, you'll have to talk to Mark about that. But what about this one? What if you want a bigger house and a nicer car? Let me, let me, get, let me give you a quick quiz here. I think this is the easiest way to understand what we're saying here. Take a look for a quick second at Psalm 37.4. I don't believe this verse is speaking about Holy Spirit uh, um, exactly. But I want, I want you to look at that. We can read this two ways. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. We can read that as in take delight in, your, in the Lord and he will give you whatever it is you want. Or you can read it this way. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you those desires that your heart has. God will actually transform you Holy Spirit will transform you so what you seek is no longer these worldly sinful things. They are the things of God. And so God will change you. Not that you will change yourself, but God will change you so you don't care as much about that car that you drive. You care much more about the people that you're driving by. And you'll care much less about the size of the house you live in. And you will care much more about the people that you invite into that house. Because remember what we just read a few verses ago. Holy Spirit gives us, gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. But Holy Spirit gives them to us. 
Now these two, four, uh, moving on to the second half of verse 17, sorry, the second half of verse 17 in Galatians 5, it says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And we're going to come back to that word good intentions in a minute here. But it says we're not free to follow those good intentions because we're constantly have those two forces fighting uh, each other. And then it says in verse 18, something interesting. It says, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are, no, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. To which I say, why are we talking about the law of Moses? This seems very out of place to me. And I really had to think about this, and I really had to read about this to understand why suddenly we're talking about the law. But let me ask you this. What's the alternative to living under the direction of Holy Spirit? And my initial answer would have been, well, those sinful desires we were just talking about. But then I have to ask the question, where are these good intentions coming from? If you're living a, if you're living a life with good intentions, where are those coming from? That's not sinful. And I would suggest to you that the, that the alternative to living by Holy Spirit is living under the law. And so if that's the opposite, then it helps us to explain why we might have these good intentions. You see, opposite of living by the Spirit is under the law. And that's what we read in verse 18. You see, it's the difference between being obedient to the rules and being obedient to Jesus. Rules will always tell us right from wrong. Stealing, bad. Murder, bad. Bullying, bad. Lying, bad. Cheating, bad. We know that they will always tell us right from wrong. But eventually, most people learn one of two things. They either learn that they're not very good at following those rules, or they learn how to make it appear as though they are really good at following those rules. But we still have to keep in mind these good intentions. You see, the law simply shows us the line that we shouldn't cross, but it does nothing to help us from crossing that line. In fact, I would actually argue it often draws us closer to the line. It's almost like, how bad can I be before I'm sinning? How bad can I be before I get myself in trouble? And I know that to be true because I'll ask you this. Have you ever been driving along and you see a speed limit line that says 80 and you look down at your speedometer and you see that you are going exactly 80, so you speed up? Am I the only one that's ever done that? I don't want to drive 80. Lily's the only person I know who drives 80. She drives 80 and 100. What is that? Why would we do that? Because we're often enticed up to that line. And we know that the limit's 80, but we also know that we're probably not getting pulled over for 85 or 88 or 90. It's kind of like, you know, that we're looking for loopholes. It says, do not get drunk on wine because it will lead you to dangerous places in your life. And we look at that and we say, yeah, but it doesn't say anything about whiskey. It's this idea that that shows us where the line is. And, that's, and the law is really about us doing these things under our own power. We know where the line is. It's up to us to keep ourselves from crossing that line. And you see, because of that, the law condemns. The law has no choice but to condemn. When you break the law, you are condemned by the law. But we know Jesus never did this. We've, we've said that a hundred times in this building. Jesus did not come to condemn. But I would also remind you, Jesus didn't come to give us more commandments and to make things more hard to understand. And in the next four verses in Galatians, I've just kind of summarized them in a chart here. You can read them for yourselves. But it's just this list. It's just a list that goes on and on. And it says this, there's, there's living in the flesh. And he lists every single one of these in order. And in case you're going through the list and thinking to yourself, ah, not bad, not bad. Okay, a bit, not bad, not bad. I like how he ends it. 
At the bottom, he says, and other sins like these. As if to say, you're on the list. All these things that we know we shouldn't be doing. But then he goes through this section, and we all know it as the fruit of the spirits, where he talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think for so many of us, we read that paragraph, and what we come away with is simply this idea that the left-hand column is bad, and the right-hand column is good. And we treat it like a, like a checklist. And because of that, what we end up doing is we decide how we're going to live based on trying to do better. I'm going to do better on some of the things on this left. I'm really going to work this week on not, you know, uh, staying away from envy. I'm going to really work on that because I get jealous when I see other people doing well. And I'm going to really, really work on that. And you know what? In exchange, I'm really going to work on joy this week. I'm just going to try to be thankful for what I have. And the problem is it's still done in our own strength. And it's not transformative we simply become better rule followers. And so what we've learned and what we can learn from our, this section in Galatians is our role is not to simply learn how to make it look like we're better at this than we are. And it's not simply over time to be able to check a few of these off. And if it was, I don't think Paul would have ended by writing and other sins like this. That's almost saying like the list will never end. Instead, it's not a list of commandments. These are not new commandments and I would argue they're not commandments at all. Instead, this is a list explaining where living in the flesh will take you and where living in the spirit will take you. And you know, Mark was talking just a few weeks ago about living wise instead of living foolishly. And anywhere through scriptures, you often find that. You often find this, this explanation, the foolish do this, the wise do this. And I would challenge you this week to go through your Bible and find me one instance where God says, but you know what? Maybe just for a while, do the foolish. Why not? Something different. Why are you struggling so hard to do the wise thing? No. Every single time we're encouraged to do what's wise. And that's because we know that that's God, how God created us. And so just to finish the last few verses here in Galatians, Galatians 5, 24, 25. So these two verses come directly after that listing that he just gave us. He says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so let me ask you, what are those passions and desires in your life? If you are lacking passion and desire for the things of God, can I suggest to you it's because you're not listening to Holy Spirit's leading in your life? And if you're a believer, can I ask you to ask yourself, are you being transformed by Holy Spirit? Do you see your life becoming more dominated by the things of him and less dominated by the things of the world? Because remember what it said in Galatians 5, 17. We went over this a second ago. The Spirit gives us desires. The Spirit gives them to us that are opposite of what the, sin, the sinful nature desires. We are not simply called to be better rule followers. We're called to be transformed by Holy Spirit so that over time, God will change our heart, change what our heart desires so that we truly seek after the things of him and we shy away and we shun away from the things that living in the flesh bring us. It's a better way. Remember what we talked about at the very beginning? Jesus said, it's best that I go. Well, it is a better way to live under the Spirit's influence than under the law. 
It's a little bit like this. The law is about being committed to something. Holy Spirit is about being committed to someone. The law says, follow this list of rules. Holy Spirit says, follow a person. The law is like driving in a blizzard and just trying to keep your car out of each of the two ditches. Where Holy Spirit is like falling in behind a snowplow so you know exactly where you're going. The law is a little bit like being, being given a map when you're lost. Holy Spirit is like having someone sitting in the passenger seat who knows exactly where you're going to give you directions. Walking with Holy Spirit is about sensitivity and submission to the prompts of Holy Spirit in your life. And you will find in your life there's always 10 reasons not to do something. In last December, my daughter told me that she was getting married. And the first thing I thought, well, the first thing I thought was, yay. The second thing I thought was, I got to lose some weight. I'm not going to fit in my suit. And I know what you're thinking. That's kind of a weird take, right? I didn't say I'm going to lose weight because it's healthier. I'll live longer. I'll enjoy life. I said, no, I got to fit in my suit. You'd almost think I was Dutch. And now, seven months later, seven months later, I stand before you and I'm proud to say that I have lost 15 ounces. And so I went out and I bought a new suit. I don't want to trust this to me. I don't trust my judgment. I don't trust my willpower. I trust Holy Spirit's leading. And by following Holy Spirit's leading, I will be taken to a place where I will, let, I will see less and less of a struggle against those worldly things because my heart has changed. So I no longer want that life. I want the life that God has chosen for me. And so just as we kind of wrap up, last time I ended by saying something like this, obedience makes all the difference. And I just want to adjust that statement slightly and say your willingness to follow Holy Spirit's lead in your life makes all the difference. Follow until you believe. And once you believe, allow Holy Spirit to bring you to a place of obedience. So just as I wrap up this series, you know, again, uh, let me just suggest a few next steps. If you're not following right now, can I encourage you to take a step? Can I encourage you to take just one step to get to know who Jesus is a little bit better? It's not a big commitment. You're not making a life commitment when you choose to learn a little bit more about Jesus. You're just taking one small step. Things like praying and reading your Bible and talking to someone who knows Jesus personally to hear what they have to say. Maybe joining a small group. Maybe joining a group at the end of a church service when discussion questions flash up on the, on the screen, find somebody to talk to. We are still using Sunday mornings as an opportunity to meet people, to find those groups. If you're finding yourself right now, 16 months, 17 months into a pandemic and thinking, I wish I had it connected to a group, it is not too late. We have people who are going to be talking next week at our outdoor service about what joining a small group has meant to them. It is huge to hear from other people what God has done in their lives. And, and I would just finish by saying, and if you follow for long enough, you will believe. That's what happened with the disciples. They did not believe the day they met him. They chose to follow the day they met Jesus. So if you're not believing, can I just encourage you to be patient? God is doing a great work in you, and you might wish, and, and you might pray, and you might hope that you would just have this belief come to you. But can I promise you, Jesus will deliver it? And may I suggest you go from maybe reading your Bible to studying your Bible so you better understand what it is you're reading. And if you're believing and not yet obeying, if you feel a little bit 
like you have these great intentions and you want a deeper relationship with him, but it's just not happening, can I suggest you to think about what's holding you back? And can I ask you to allow God to transform you? Holy Spirit will prompt you. Holy Spirit will lead you. You simply need to choose to follow that voice in your life. And I would just ask you this. Are you letting Holy Spirit give you the desires of your heart? Desires for him. Let's pray. Lord, just so thankful. So thankful for a time where we can just come together and just be together in your word. And we know Holy Spirit is here. We know Holy Spirit is always with us, surrounding us, in us. And we're so thankful for that. It's a very difficult thought to imagine what it would have been like for you, Jesus, to say to us, I'm leaving and that's good. But we, how can we not be thankful for who you've sent in your place? The advocate, the helper, Holy Spirit, who is here to guide our lives and replace those sin, that sin nature in us, those, those desires in us with desires for you. I'm thankful for that, Jesus. I'm thankful for Kingsway and all the people who may be hearing this on this weekend, Lord, that can, we can just say we're here for you. We're here to give you the glory, Lord, because we know that you and you alone are worthy. I just pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, it's our, our continued hope that uh, after service each week, you've got an opportunity to talk to somebody anybody. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a consistent group. Maybe it's somebody a little bit different. Maybe it's midweek on the phone. But would you take a little bit of time to talk with people about what you've learned? And this week, uh, our questions are maybe a little bit more personal than they sometimes are. And I hope that doesn't scare you off. But I just, I just wanted, I think it's a great opportunity for you to just talk with each other about what that Holy Spirit in your life has been doing. And so we always ask, what's jumped out at you from today's talk? Mark always says, what's made you angry? Uh, please don't talk about what made you angry. Keep that to yourself. But anything else that jumped out from your talk, love to hear it. And then I just wonder if the first two questions are very similar, but can you share about something that immediately changed in your life once you accepted Jesus? We didn't have a lot of time to talk about this today, but often Holy Spirit kind of moves in with a bit of a, with a, bit of a bang, and then uh, over time we, we see additional changes. But so what's something that happened immediately when you accepted Jesus? And maybe share something that took a little bit of time to change in your life after having followed Jesus. And so take, to, to share a story around the table, around the couch, wherever you might be. And I just ask this question. This one might be a little hard to do if you're not comfortable with the people around you. But can I just ask you, if your intentions are good, but you feel those results are not there. What can you do moving forward? Can I just ask you this? What can we do to help? Kingsway, we're a family, and our, the goal of our family is to, have, to, to create and build and, and equip disciples, and that's something that comes, comes together perfectly when we support each other. And so I, I'm very hopeful that this week you have a chance to at least share something. If these questions are a little too pointed, can I just encourage you to share a minute of your testimony? Something about your walk with Jesus that you can share with someone else who needs to hear it. Because it's such a powerful thing to not just hear it from the front and not just hear it from your Bibles, but hear from people who have that lived experience of knowing Jesus and having taken the lead from Holy Spirit. And so I can't, I can't express to you how excited I am about the thought of next week coming together. No need to book your seats. We're just coming to church next week. Almost like that's what we always used to do. And so I encourage you to grab a lawn chair, grab a friend, grab a relative, grab anybody you can think of who's willing to come and meet us here at Kingsway Parking Lot, 9.30, next Sunday morning. And until then, just want to just thank you for listening and just uh, ask God's blessing on you.